Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the awesome opportunity you've given us to be able to gather as your family in your house and be able to get into your word. Help us now as we do that. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Continuing our chronological study through the Word of God, or the timeline study you might call it, we've left Genesis from chapter 11 and go to the book of Job, because in the timeline the book of Job fits in there between chapters 11 and 12 of Genesis. The word Job in the Hebrew is Yeob, and it actually means hated or persecuted. And Job lived about 2000 BC, which was about 500 years before Moses. So if you're getting these things in their timeline. But let's pick up here in Job chapter 1, where it reads, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now the word eschewed means he fled from or stayed away from evil. And it's awesome testimony that they have here that he was perfect and upright. Reads, and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Notice here the actions of the priesthood, the sacrifices. Now, you go back and see in our timeline, this is prior to Moses some 500 years before Moses, and before all those statutes and ordinances were given to Moses to teach to the children of Israel. So they were already taught and already established right here at this time. We know that Noah already knew these because of the sacrifices that he did right after coming out of the ark. So all the way back to Cain and Abel, when they were given the sacrifices, Cain gave of the fruits of his labor, which was the crops, that Abel did it right and sacrificed an animal. So it was given all the way back there to Adam and his children, the ordinances of the blood sacrifice. Because we know the first blood sacrifice or the first death was the death of the animals that the Lord took the skins and clothed Adam and Eve after their sin. So it's believed that that animal was a lamb. Therefore, the whole process through all the ordinances of the sacrificing of the lambs, indicating the future, looking forward to Jesus Christ being the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God. So here we see Job 
doing this and these sacrifices. So the Mosaic law, as we know it, the ordinance of the sacrifices was already established before Moses was even born. As it continues in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now this term, sons of God, here applies to angels. you got to research, when you see the term sons of God, what are they speaking of? Are they speaking of religious people, followers of the Lord, or are they speaking of actual angels? And at this time, they, the angels were coming and Satan came along with them. Now the word Satan means accuser. So the accuser came along with them. Read verse 6 again. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. You may wonder why was Satan given the opportunity to be able to come to the Lord, even though he was cursed because of what he did with Adam and Eve, he still had permission to come as an accuser to the Lord and accuse the people of their sins. He will get cast out completely during the tribulation time, cast out completely, but here he has, still has access to the throne. Some people misunderstand and think that Satan is in hell. Satan is not in hell. Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. As it continues, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Quite the testimony that the Lord has given of Job. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face." See, the accuser is saying that the only reason that Job appreciates the Lord is because of all the blessings he's been given and the protection that he's been given. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So the Lord is given Satan permission to take away all the substance that Job has. Verse 13, And there was a day when his sons and his daughters, this is the sons and daughters of Job, were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. 
While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. This act of renting his mantle or cloth that he was wearing, his clothes, and shaving his head was something that we see after Mosaic law was introduced as a form of humility, as a form of being humble, as a form of showing that they were in total subjection to the Lord. Notice, and worshipped. He didn't murmur, he didn't complain, he didn't turn against God. He worshipped the Lord. Verse 21, And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Which is an awesome testimony to Job. That everything that he'd been blessed with in the substance, including his children, was taken away from him. But he didn't blame God for it. He didn't turn against God. He worshipped the Lord. Right into chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Movest me to go against him. So Satan can only do what the Lord allows him to do. That's very interesting when you think about it. That all the evil that Satan is doing and has done was not the will of God, but was permitted by God. It reads, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So see, we, 
see here that the Lord has given Satan permission to do this. It's not that the Lord willed that this happen, but he's showing us that the Lord will allow bad things to come upon even the righteous. Because look how he's talking about how Job was so righteous, so perfect. But the Lord allowed that to come upon him. But there's a purpose for it. As we see, as we journey through the book of Job, we'll see this purpose. And then in the end, when he's blessed with so much, a purpose behind even the evil that is allowed to come upon us has a purpose. We just always have to keep our eyes on the Lord. No, he's the one that's in control. Verse 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd and scraped himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. A potsherd is like a broken piece of pottery, basically a hunk of sharp glass that he used as a scraper to scrape these sores that were on him. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. She didn't have the same testimony as Job. She was ready to just blame God for it. Curse God and die. Go ahead. Verse 10. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Even going through all that, he didn't curse the Lord. He didn't turn against the Lord. Verse 11, Now when Job's three friends heard all this evil that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, and Beldad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. Notice it was to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. For a whole week sitting there with him, not saying a word. But then note what happens as it further go. Chapter 3. After this opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. Notice he didn't curse God, but he's cursing the day that he was born. Wishing that he had not even been born, basically, as it continues. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said there is a man-child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come unto the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day. 
who are ready to raise up this morning. Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it sow the dawning of the day, because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me, or why the breast that I should suck? For now should I have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept. Then had I been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves, or with princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver, or as an hidden untimely birth I had not been, as infants which never saw light. There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary be at rest. There the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master. Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter in soul, which long for death, but it cometh not, and dig for it more than for hid treasures, which rejoice exceedingly, and are glad when they can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hid, and whom God hath hedged in? For my sign cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety. Neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. All of chapter 3 is basically saying that he wished he hadn't been born. Why was he born? Because he just has misery right now. And now we see the friends in chapter 4 that they said that they came to mourn and to comfort him. But note, what happens in chapter 4. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. He's saying, Now you are known for helping others, encouraging others, lifting up others. But now it is come upon thee, and thou faintest. It touches thee, and thou art troubled. Is it now that something comes upon you, now suddenly you wish you weren't even born? Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, who ever perished, being innocent. Who ever perished, being innocent? Remember, I pray thee, who ever perished, being innocent. Or... Where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. 
the roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perisheth for lack of prey, and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof in thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falleth on men. Fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the month. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency, which is in them, go away? They die even without wisdom. So we see how he is falsely accusing Job of receiving just reward for his iniquities. As he continues in verse 1 of chapter 5, Call now, if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints wilt thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them, whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and taketh it even out of the, th the thorns, and the robber swalloweth up their substance. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable marvelous things without number, who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields, to set up on high those that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety, he disappointeth the devices of the crafty, so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. Now see, here Eliphaz is trying to display or explain some of the attributes of God and some of the behavior of God, which later we see the Lord speaking out against tell, excuse me, against him in reference to the things that he's saying. It's like, can you really understand me? Can you really know why I do what I do? As he continues, they meet with darkness in the daytime and grope in the noonday as in the night. But, the, but he saveth the poor from the sword, from their mouth, and from the hand 
in the mighty. So the poor hath hope, and the iniquity stoppeth her mouth. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. That statement there is a good and correct statement. He will chasten those that need chasten. But sometimes things come upon us that isn't a form of chastisement, just as Job is going through. For he maketh sore and bindeth up, he woundeth and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem thee from death, and in war from the power of the sword. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh. Neither shalt thou be afraid of the beast of the earth. For thou shalt be a league with the stones of the field, and the beast of the field shall be at peace with thee. And thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace, and thou shalt visit thy habitation and shalt not sin. Thou shalt know also that the, thy seed shall be great, and thine offspring as the grass of the earth. Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, like as a shock of corn cometh in his season. Lo, this we have searched it, so it is. Hear it, and know thou it for thy good. So basically, what Eliphaz is telling him is that these things come upon you because you have done something wrong, that it is a form of chastisement, that the Lord is gracious, the Lord is merciful, the Lord is genuous. He is blessing to those that follow His ordinances, that love Him, that do righteousness. But He is against those that do evil. Those two things are correct in their proper application. But they're not properly applied to Job in this situation. They have made the assumption that because something bad has come upon someone, it is because there's something evil that they have done. But as we know, as we go through here, we can see it isn't because the description of Job. Job was living a perfect life. Job was a righteous man. He was one that was lifted up in, in praise, basically, and blessed of the Lord. But these things still came upon him. So we got to always look at our own situation. When something bad comes upon us, we need to examine ourselves. Is this bad thing coming upon me because I did something wrong, and it is the chastisement of the Lord to correct me, to get me out of doing that wrong thing? Or is it an opportunity for us to praise the Lord even going through a hardship like Job winds up doing through all this and praising the Lord and submitting himself to the Lord? Mourning, yes. Sad through it, yes. Wishing he wasn't even born, yes. You're going to suffer. You're going to feel that pain. But don't turn against the Lord. Job didn't turn against the Lord. And these so-called friends are only looking at it one way, that this wouldn't have come upon you if you were truly a righteous man, that you're lying, you got some kind of hidden sin, and that's what's coming to you, just exactly what you deserve, 
is what his friends that are there supposedly to comfort him are telling him. As we continue seeing this unfold in, in the book of Job, we'll pick it up in Job chapter 6 next time. But let's go ahead and close here. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for your word and the opportunity to dig in there and find the lessons that we can apply to our lives, written so long ago, but yet still applied to us today. Help us to realize that. Help us all to examine ourselves very closely and to see the blessings that we have as well as the hardships that we have, what the purpose is behind those, and help us all yield to your purpose, to your desire, your will, to always bring you honor and glory through all the things we face day by day. Thank you all so much for it all as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you.